Welcome back to The Skinny. Ken Stout with you. Rico Elmore in the house. Rob Klepper here with us. Smoke, yes. Tony Stewart in the house as well. And a couple of call-in guests, Rico Abreu and Corey Cruzman. Stay with us. It's going to be fun. Stewart brought up the point um, how good how good the, the field has become. I mean, excess of 300-plus cars and and how tough it is even in your heat race on any given night. And, Klepper, maybe you know the answer to this. Was it Sammy that came from the deepest to, to win, or at least uh, he came like from, from the E main? Yeah, Sammy one year came from the E, made it up to second in the A, and right. then broke, broke something in the drive shaft. So, and we constantly talk about this. We pick up the show live on MAV-TV, by the way, for those that'll, that'll watch us, if you want to watch the Chili Bowl Racing Boys Pick it up Monday through uh, through Saturday, really, and then yeah, all the way up starting to the with C mains. We'll have it live on Mav TV, and you can watch it from there. But we constantly talk about forget about the C mains. The the starters in the D main are a great A main any other time of the year. It's phenomenal. But based off of what you were saying before, how good this talent level, how deep it's it's become, can you do that anymore? Can you come from an E and make it to an A main? You know, if any if anybody can do it, Chili Bowl is the place that luck can change a lot of things but you know 10 15 years ago people had nice cars but there was still a lot of hand-built items now you can buy the best of them so there is the empathy of the quality of the car is gone so you can take you know a guy that we've never heard of that goes out there and just kicks our asses and you know he makes a name for himself but it's getting harder and harder to do, I think, every year. I mean, Tony's obviously helped with the racetrack a bunch with uh, keeping it two grooves, and, and it's nice having a racer to have his hands on the racetrack. But I think it's getting tougher and tougher. You know, it, you you obviously have to be in a really good race car, and there's going to be 200 of those. And there's you used to be able to say there's 30 people. 20 of those 30 are going to make it to the main event. Now I think that's more of 80 people. So it, uh, I think it's still a milestone to make it to the main event, let alone win the main event there. But uh, it, it's a tough deal. It, it really is. You make the preliminary night feature event, like you said earlier. That's tough enough just to get into the show on your prelim night. Um, top two now with the car count get locked into the A. The way it breaks down, if you run dead last on the prelim night, you're in an E on on saturday i mean that's it used to be the d but with the extra the extra night now monday now you're in an e so like you were saying you got guys that are dave darlin legit that maybe have an issue on the prelim night now they find themselves in an e main and have to race to the d to have a, a dave darlin plus one then they into the c with a dave darlin plus two and it just gets tougher and tougher the e but either one of the e's is going to have an easy six to to eight guys that are capable of winning the chili bowl. Yes. You know, I mean, and then when you get to the D it's, it's half the field. I mean, that's, it, that's the hard part. Every preliminary night, I wouldn't say the entire a main are, are guys that, that are guys you'd expect to be in an a main on a, on a regular night, but two thirds of that starting field on a preliminary night are guys that you would expect to see in the a main on Saturday night. And like you're saying now, now those guys that finished the back of it are going to be in an E main. I mean, if you make the B main at Stout, the the guys that don't make the show from the B main, any promoter in the country would take oh, that yeah. starting field 
as their you know as their lineup for for any Saturday night show and sell the place out to come watch them. So it's it is just so tough to get in those spots, and that's why that's why we talked about. I mean, and, and Corey's been there a million times. He can tell you just the slightest little thing gets you buried in that deal to where now you're now you went from you know maybe having to go a little bit work a little bit harder and have to make a couple steps to get up the to the a main and get in a decent starting spot to now you're fighting just to make the show and a lot of times when you are fighting like that the the chrome horn obviously comes into play but also like rico abreu was saying earlier you can you can kind of create your own problem by having to force yourself to put yourself in a bad position and it could you know you're like you said you're starting on the front row of a c okay all right i made it in the back of the b now i'm in the back of the b I got, what is it, 20 laps in the B main, which can go by in about five minutes if it goes green. Um, to get into the A, they only take the top seven. I mean, it's it's go time. You just do what you have to do. And I mean this because I respect him so much. That's what makes it hard for someone like Corey Cruzman if he's in a in the middle of a B main or a C main or on back, to get to the front is because Corey's not the guy that's going to lay a bumper to you. I mean, he's he's way too nice, and, and he wants to do it the right way. His, he's got a great reputation for racing guys clean. And... That's that's the hard part is you get to those situations where now on Saturday you're not in the A main and you got to make something happen. If he doesn't have a racetrack that he can get there and it's one lane or it's or just the fact that it can still be a two lane racetrack, but there's so many cars that there's already cars in both of those lanes full. He's not the guy that's going to root a guy out of the way to, to to make something happen, and it makes that it makes that lower main uh, just that much more difficult. I've always been fortunate to race people clean, so it, uh, it's something that means a lot to me because when I started, when smoke started, when, when we did something stupid, you didn't get in trouble by the officials. You got your ass whooped by somebody else. Hewitt, Hewitt came and grabbed you by the T-shirt and explained to you what was right and wrong. So, you know, it taught at an early age what was right and wrong, and, and that's kind of how I, I prefer to race. I think Chili Bowl and the success of a driver is a guy that can run the bottom that can run the top but is smart enough to know when to change lanes first the first guy that changed lanes is the first guy that gets through the field and that's a crapshoot is as tony knows as rico knows it's uh because there's plenty of times we've changed lanes and realized that it was a train on the bottom Mm -hmm. and that was because the top was four tenths so you know it's just knowing knowing when and when you cannot move around and thank god Corey's as a clean eraser as he is or i wouldn't have won my first chili bowl i mean <laughs> and i've been waiting we've never i've never asked him this this is the first time i've ever asked him this question how much faster were you than me that first year that, that you followed me on the bottom with kevin Doty on the outside of us we were actually really good that year i i would say we were at least five ten percent better but the problem was the racetrack you had to be glued to that three or four feet or it didn't really matter so and you were smart enough to know it that uh, if you slipped up obviously we were going to be able to get underneath you and, and there were several times i think we got almost side by side coming off of two yeah and th- like i say thank god it was him because if it had been anybody else i wouldn't have won that first chili bowl i mean i've watched i bet i've watched the video of that probably a hundred times since since that race happened and and at least two times we were side by side off of two and there were so many times that he had his right front underneath my left rear and i'm like i couldn't have been as nice as he was tables i wouldn't have wrecked i wouldn't have wrecked him it would have been it would have sounded just like dale senior said about terry labani at bristol i mean I, 
but I, he, you could just see how it had to be agonizing because, like you said, I can see it in the video. I'm sitting there going, I'm hold, I am literally holding him up. And Kevin Doty had the top block, so it's not like you had another option. I mean, you, you'd kind of committed to the bottom. We had committed to the bottom. But I'm sitting there going, man, I mean, it had to be. And, and A, here's the other thing. When, when you're that much faster than somebody and you can't run your pace, it makes it harder to, to drive your car. Because you can't get in the corner the way you need to. You can't get in the gas when you need to. It, it had to be hard to sit back there and know that, you know, all he's got to do is be eight feet further forward than what he was, and he wins this race. It was way harder to go to Eldora for my first time. We raced in California for several years and uh, made a deal with my car owner. If we, we won Manzanita one night, he would take me to the foreground. And that was the first time that we got to run open tires because we California is always on a spec tire. So we go back there and I think we were like third quick or fourth quick in the midget and as well in the sprint car. We led about 18 laps of the foreground in the midget and blew the motor up. And then we get in the sprint car and I'm like, holy, this, this is almost easy. We're, we're running away and, and, and checking out. And about lap 16, I blister a right rear tire. And when smoke goes by me, I, I don't know if it was a wave, a peace sign, or the finger. But, uh, it was, it was Some a sort of international gesture. <laughs> that yeah, that I, was a much harder one to swallow. <laughs> the tire management I, sign. I, I had been there just enough to know. It's, like, it's kind of like when you're like, I've seen this movie. I know how this ends. And I'm watching him, and he is running the dogs. I mean... If it had been a 15-lap race, he had a shot at it. But, I mean, he was running every lap. I mean, you could see how much he wanted to win the four crown. And and it is. It was a huge deal for all of us in USAC to, to try to – because it paid 10000 to win all the divisions at that time. And uh, so I, I'm watching him, and I'm like, man, I know I can run that pace, but I, I can't – I know I can't make my tire live doing that. And I'm watching him, and I'm going, man, he looks good. And I'm, And for a while there, I'm like – I don't think this thing, I don't think his tires are going to give up. And then I'm, then I start catching myself running a little bit harder than I, what I really wanted to. And then I could see it. I could see the, when, as soon as that tire blistered, you could see the holes in it coming up in the block and you can s physically see it as he's going down the straightaway. I'm like, Oh, there you are. Sweet Jesus. Come back to Papa. <laughs> and so we went, when I went by, I kind of went like this, like you got to slow down just back a little bit. A little You're bit, killing maybe. your tires. So, and that was, and I had an unfair advantage because Eldora, when it was slick, I, I ran for Glenn Nibel that year. And that, that car was absolutely terrible to run if the track was heavy because it didn't have enough motor to, to keep the tires spinning around and keep the car rotating. And, and so Corey was in Harlan Willis's car and, and, you know, Mike Drake was his crew chief. And I'm like, man, he's, he's going to be fast. I know he's going to be quick. I know what he can do. And he got out front there and I, and I thought, man, this thing, he's going to back up quick. It's going to kill this thing. And he, it hung on a lot longer than I thought he was going to be able to hang on to it. But then when I saw those holes start coming up, I'm like, Oh, your, your, your job just got a lot more difficult. The element of difficulty went up. If you could have stuck that landing, the Russian judge would have given him a really good score. But, uh, but yeah, I went by in that V6 and I'm like, I knew he was sitting there just cussing at the time. And I don't think I ever maybe three or four times heard Corey cuss at anything, but I was pretty sure he was cussing when I went by. And so I stuck my arm out, like just slow down a little bit and run straight. But, it, it, you know, Corey was out from out West where, you know, I remember getting the, the, the posters, the sprint car calendar every year, and the best shot of the whole calendar wasn't a wing sprint car shot. It wasn't a USAC 
you know, Bloomington or anything like that. It was watching Brad Nofsinger and Bubby Jones and Leland McSpadden uh, back them in at, at Ascot before Ascot closed. It was the only shots on the calendar that were shot from the infield, and you could see the right side of the car. And that's the way Corey drove, and, and you know, Corey was fast out in California driving that way, and that's what you have to do. I mean, the, the California tracks are heavy, sticky, and you had to back him in. But, you know, Eldora was, you know, I knew the first time there when I saw him, I'm like, yeah, I don't know if that's going to work for very long. <laughs> but it, like I said, he held on a lot longer, but he just, you know, I, I, I had, we did have that conversation when you drove for me and we went back to Eldora. I said, listen, I said, remember what happened the first time you came here and you were looking out the right side of the cage. I said, if you, if you have to look past the right side of the, the, the front roll bar, you're, you're way too sideways. You got to look through the front of the cage to get around here when it's slick like that. And, and he did, I mean, he made big adjustments there and got a lot better. Corey was so good. You know, when he, when he finally realized that he didn't, his chin didn't have to scrape the right rear tire on entry. When he figured that out, it was like, it, it totally changed his driving style. And then, you know, that's when he got going so good at, at, at uh, you know, Chili Bowl. And he, that's why he could run the bottom so good because he could get in so hard but so straight at the same time and, and still get the car to rotate. I mean, that's that's where he made a lot of money. We've talked about that a lot on the course of the broadcast, um, but Knoxville is that way. If you don't run that car really straight at Knoxville, I mean, borderline like an asphalt car, you're not going to win that race. Especially on the bottom. And, and, you know, that is like kryptonite to me. I still cannot get around Knoxville to, to – if making the A main meant life or death, you guys would be been at my funeral for the last three years straight. But which is amazing because I mean, clearly, you know, Shots knows how to get around that place. And you, my guess is, you have pretty good notes from him. And is, is it? No, just, I don't actually. Oh, he, really? He won't tell me anything about Knoxville. That's the only place that he will not talk to me. Really? Okay. But the one guy that I reached out to was Danny Lasoski because I know Danny knows how to uh, to get around there. And and you know, the thing about Donnie is. Uh, Donnie's just done it for so long that he doesn't even think about it. It's just what he does where, you know, Lasoski's much more methodical about it. Um, we were going to try to sneak out and I might've been a dingus a little bit too late the night before we were going to do this, but we were going to sneak out on a golf cart first thing in the morning. And he was going to show me how to get around there the right way. And it's, uh, it's just one of those places that uh, kind of like Eldora was to Corey the first time he went there. I mean, getting around Knoxville, if you don't run there a lot, uh, there, there's guys like Geo Selzy that picked it up really quick, uh, and there's guys like myself that I've I've been going there, and I bet I still haven't ran probably six or seven races there in my career. But I I'm out till lunch. If I if it's not if it's not the if the entry is not kind of wide to get in, if it gets really narrow getting in, I can't even hit the bottom. Uh, but and I can't get around the top to save my rear end for some reason. I just cannot get around it. Uh, like you need to, and then you sit there and watch Brian Brown and and Shots and Pittman and David Gravel, and you're like, I I have a suite at Knoxville, and I've sat there for years during Knoxville Nationals week, and it's like I know where I'm supposed to be on the racetrack, but I can't get there from where I'm at <laughs> for some reason. You it's didn't do just ironically harder. enough. You weren't bad on a late model. You did a great run on the late model. Yeah, the late model was fun, but it was uh, yeah. I, I, that's why I say a, a wing sprint car there though. It, it's just a totally different animal for some reason. I remember running your car there one year and we were running during the Knoxville nationals. I think it was like the first night and we ran a hot lap session at intermission. And then we ran a 20 lap feature. We pill picked for after the main event. And when we pushed off for the main event, the people in the grandstands were fighting to get out of the grandstands so fast because we didn't have wings on 
It was absolutely incredible. <laughs> the USAC boys put it on a pretty good show at Knoxville this year, yeah. for sure. Brady Brady uh, Bacon sweat both nights there and took twenty five grand away from uh, from the Sprint Car Capital of the World. But uh, I think I think they made a lot of that's new... a fathead sponsored car. Yeah, by that's the way. true. That's why that's, I, that's why I brought it up. Yeah, you didn't say it though. I do this for <laughs> I do this it. for for very you didn't small fill living, in the blank. You know? But no, um, it reminded me. It reminded right, yeah. me of a race in Australia. So to to win the Australian championship, it's not a point series like we know of in America. You win one race, Australia number one. So I went down there one year and, and they didn't allow Americans to run. It was only uh, Kiwis and Aussies. And they decided to allow an American. And uh, we went down and we ended up fast time, won the heat race, won the main event. And we just, we, we had a great night. And I'm walking out of there. I'm carrying the trophy. They had an American flag for me and, and I'm exhausted. It's like a hundred degrees out and, and I'm, I'm whooped and I'm walking out and there's this kid standing up by the fence. And I thought, I'm going to walk up there. And I'm going to give this kid this trophy. Cause that's what I did. I I've only kept about 20 trophies in my whole career. I've always given them to kids. So as I'm starting to approach this kid, I get about 20 feet from them and I'm going to say he's maybe four to six years old. And, he starts yelling, hey, you yank, and he flips me off. And I'm like, uh, what, what, what are you doing, you know? So, so I'm, I'm starting to laugh, and then I'm starting to cross. And he's got this older lady with him. It's, it must be his grandma. And, and I look to her like, you know, are you going to say something? And she goes, you need to go home, you freaking American. And she gives me a thing. <laughs> I, that, that's one of the trophies I kept because, it, it, <laughs> but, but that was kind of like, like us racing at Knoxville, you know, it was like, do, do you really want us here? You know, well, I, I remember when we first moved back here to race in, in 99, I guess we, we lived with Tony Elliott, the late great Tony Elliott up at Kokomo. We stayed with him during the summers. Uh, we'd come back right before the night before the 500. We'd race to the four crown. Then we'd go out west and run Turkey Night and all the West Coast Thursday Night Thunder stuff. And one of the first races we went to was a Sunday night show at Kokomo. It was, it was pretty much the Dave Darlin, Tony Elliott show, right? Well, the sprint cars came out, which we, I, we found really odd that the sprint cars weren't the final race of the year because on the West Coast, they're always the last race of the night. Um, Elliot goes out, he wins the sprint car race. He's down doing victory lane and the fans are booing him and they're yelling at him to get off the track. And I'm just like, what in the heck is going on? Because the street stocks were still <laughs> left to come out and they hadn't raced yet. And I thought sure it wasn't in West Virginia, car, right? I thought the sprint cars was the show, but no, it was the street stocks and they could care less about Tony Elliott. They wanted to see their buddies out there running the street stocks, kind of the same similar deal. I still think we should get one and just cheat it up. Go out there and beat, <laughs> just beat, beat the, beat the wheels off of them. Pull it on the trailer. Don't ever go to Victory Lane and just leave. Clippers, it, it was Clippers kind of, favorite story is has involved Steve Drake. That's oh Jay Drake, Jay Drake, yeah. Jay Drake, Chili Bowl, Jay, Jay Drake. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, a sorry. Chili Bowl story. That's yeah. a leading on a prelim night, and Jay decided, no, no you're not leading anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Jay what up happened up was Jay will say, "Hey man, I, yeah, I need to get to the front." Yeah, man, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> sorry about that. Did I never I, understood how he could I, drive a car because he was just it was like you? somebody wake him up. Yeah. <laughs> did I get into your clip? Sorry, man. <laughs> you yeah, couldn't no. be mad at him. Yeah, you could. Well, I was extremely mad at him for like two, three years. I told him he still got one coming. I mean, that was 1999, <laughs> <laughs> but 2000. I think it was the year he won. 2000. 
But uh, yeah, he got us once on at, at Anderson on Thursday Night Thunder or with whatever it was called. Uh, bumped us out of the way in heat race, and then got us again in Chili Bowl. And and, and um, Jay's great. I mean, he's one of my favorite guys in in motorsport. I mean, in general for sure. But I mean, just in motorsports. Uh, ever he was one of the first guys we met coming up in, in the mid '90s. You know, when it was him and and Leffler and and Ito and Kofer and all those West Coast guys. Um, back then and he's always he's been a good friend ever since i mean he's he's really one of my favorite guys in this industry but uh to talk to him you wouldn't know that he is a, a badass race car driver i mean we were one of my favorite jay drake stories and it's really makes no sense which a lot of his stories really don't make a lot of sense but we're sitting at the pit in the pits just chilling waiting for the driver's meeting and jay walks up and says hey hey clay my brother says, yeah. He goes, you know, if uh, your first name was The, you'd be The Klepper. And then, <laughs> then he walks off. That was it. <laughs> what? What the hell just happened? <laughs> right? You'd be The Klepper. So fast forward to maybe it was 2005, last time we ran the Chili Bowl, was Jay, my brother, and Aaron Pierce driving for Scooter Ellis, kind of like an old man's uh, veterans team. <laughs> And on and the visors, it was the Pierce, the Drake, and the and the Klepper. <laughs> I put I put a little the on there, and Jay goes, "Hey, man, that's pretty good, you know." But uh, yeah, Jay that Drake, could be awesome single handedly the best Jay Drake <laughs> imitation I've ever seen in my life. Oh, I, I got a, I that's could do awesome. Jay on. Well, he he would always do. And we'd see him on Thunder, right? And he would he'd always look down, and Dave Despain would come over and talk to me. He's like, "Yeah, you know, Keith and these guys give me a good car and." You know, we'll just we'll see if we can put her in the show. And last second, he'd look up and smile every single time. He'd never <laughs> look at Spain until the last second. But uh, yeah, one, one of my favorite guys, with the exception of that turn two incident at, at Chili Bowl <laughs> two thousand, whatever. I did want to mention before Corey got off. I, you know, Stout knows me that that I'm a numbers guy. But but uh, looking talking Chili Bowl only. Tony Stewart, Corey Cruzman, twelve A main starts each, both two time winners. Uh, Tony Stewart has four top fives. Uh, including those wins and 12 A-main starts. Corey Cruzman, six top fives in those 12 A-main starts. So technically, Stewart needs to get back so in the show. So if it came to a tiebreaker. Yeah, come back into if the If it came to a tiebreaker, it would go to Cruzman? Is and, that what you Well, I'll That's take, exactly I'll take it saying. a step further, um, probably because you guys are busting my balls. Average finish for Corey, 7.3. Stewart, 9.75. So you, you need to get back in I'm the car. I'm going to help you out. Stuart, do you, do you the, the car that's sitting in your right. shop, the front, I, think if, I don't know if it's still sitting in your shop, in the front of TSR here in Brownsburg. It is. And uh, see if that thing will fire. Do you have any right. more gloom and I'm going to help Stuart well, out. Stout started with 2019, 2019 was not so good. I'm going to help him out a little bit. He, he was <laughs> inducted into the 2020 NASCAR Hall of Fame. So that's, was, uh, the right. well, I, <laughs> I think I still might have a stat, that Chili Bowl stat, that he hasn't accounted for yet. How many total completed laps? Oh, because if you count after that we'll race that is over out. on that tractor, I got his ass covered yeah. <laughs> every night for six straight nights. Absolutely. Yeah. Come on, Very numbers good guy. Point. Pull him up. Very good yeah. point. A lot. And I've <laughs> led all those laps, yeah, too, you cannot, uh, you cannot turn, take that away from him. That's for sure. <laughs> he, he, puts a, he puts a transponder on that son of a bitch every night <laughs> right. when he's running it. Yeah. They get really mad, though, when I dump the clutch to pull wheelies off the corner, just like the hot dogs do now, like Larson and Bell and those guys. And Rico. Yeah, you can't get the steering wheel off of that. Uh, no, of the thank tractor. God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the tractor's too big to pull the wheel off of. i got a hard enough time with the wheel on it. So, Which accomplishment? Is more important to you the the triple crown and the single the first driver won the triple crown the single year or the first cup championship? Oh, that's easy. I thought you were going to ask something difficult that I was going to have to think of the the triple crown definitely. Hmm. I mean, I 
I love what I do in NASCAR, and, and NASCAR people get really upset when they hear me say, oh, yeah, by far a Triple Crown. The logistics of what it took to to win the Triple Crown that year far exceed what we did in NASCAR that year. It's, um, you know, there were races that the sprint cars and the midgets were at two different locations on the same night, and we had to go run the sprint car. So we had to get enough of a, a points buffer to to allow myself to miss that race. And luckily, one of them got rained out. Or else it probably, you know, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. But, um, you know, it came down to the last race in the Silver Crown car. It came down to the last race in the Sprint car. Um, I think the midget, it was decided the race before uh, the last race of the year. But, um, yeah, that that by far, I mean, that's an easy one for me. I mean, it's hard for anything to top the Triple Crown year. Just just because I know what all it took logistics-wise to get there. Um, it wasn't just showing up on Sunday running. No. And and it was, you know, you'd be in a midget Friday night, a sprint car Saturday night, a sprint car Sunday, but it paid, you know, Saturday night it was dirt Sunday. It was pavement. Uh, just, just all the different things and disciplines we had to go through to, to get there. So it was, that was much harder than the NASCAR. I was trying to come up with something that would present a challenge because I, I, if you asked me without asking you, I would have said the triple crown would, would be. Well, it was easy because I've never won the Daytona 500, never won the Indy 500. So it wasn't like you had to go real far out there. There, You didn't have as many options as what you'd like to have Well, when he won his first turkey night at Irwindale, Mm -hmm. is that correct? Um, I, I think they asked you, um, you know, or, or maybe you just said it like you know when a NASCAR race is great when it you know but this is Turkey Night right and when you look at these crown jewel events that you probably eyeballed growing up whether it's a, a, you know especially Turkey Night because it's been around for for so long uh, to win that event to you at that moment probably was as big as if not bigger than anything and I and like Turkey Night for example we I won the TQ portion of Turkey Night at Bakersfield. Uh, then we won at Irwindale, uh, with the, the midget, then the next year won it with the sprint car. And, uh, but I think Jay Drake won it in a focus car on the small track at Irwindale, mm-hmm. won it in a sprint car at Irwindale and won, you know, the Grand Prix with the midget too. So I got to find a focus ride or something to go out and win one more <laughs> to try to you know, see Jay get that just keeps up. creeping back into these conversations. Oh, he's, yeah, he's, he's everywhere. Sneaky, Sneaky like little dude. Yeah. yeah he is. <laughs> well, he's, I mean, he is retired. He only ran 65 races this year. And I think yeah. 74, 74. 74. Wow. Yeah, we run like 10 schedule. and 26 podiums, 26 top threes yeah. or somewhere in there. Like it's, it, it was far from a retirement year. You're really back on the swing of things, man. I'll be honest with you. I, I mean, I got to cut back a little bit though. It it was wearing me out. Thank God Rico went to a lot of the races with me, or it was uh, it would have been a disaster because um, we. I still have a plane, but I I had more fun driving the motorhome. But what I realized is about five in the morning, or as soon as the sun starts coming up, I shut down. I'm like a vampire. It's like. <laughs> Hey, I've got to get off the road, got to get parked, got to get blankets over my head, can't get direct sunlight, or I'm going to burn to the ground. So uh, that was Rico's shift, was the coming back to life yeah. shift for everybody else. Yeah. I could drive when nobody was on the road. He's, that was my he's specialty. Up, he's up there turning as wide as these walls. He's like, are you ready? Yeah. I'm not sure I got it. Please. I've got one for either one of you guys. Um, I tried to think about it just off the top of my head. I couldn't really come up with one. Has anybody other than you won an IndyCar championship and a cup championship. No. no. I could not think of one. Only been one other guy won the Triple Crown all the same year. But hasn't won the Chili Bowl. 
He's run second at Chili Bowl. The Coons? J.J. Yaley. J.J. Yaley. As he won an IndyCar championship and a NASCAR championship. No, 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 no. no. It's, it's, the, yeah. it's just like when this guy was battling with which what I thought was probably the best, definitely the best chase in NASCAR, but maybe one of the best years when it was got to you and, and Boyer, and you ran him down in, in, in the championship. And, or not, I'm sorry, not Boyer. Um, Carl Edwards. Edwards. And, and he won I think a, you were doing an interview, and you were just blowing him, blowing him crap every time, trying to rattle his cage. And you I, said, "Have you ever won an outlaw race? No. You ever run? So you ever won yeah, that was a media day. You ever run? A, you ever won a sprint so race? I, I, I mean, that was like <laughs> the best. And, boy, and, and, and I said, "Boy, I met, I met there. He's just like, come on, man. Come on. Oh, he was over it. So, uh, literally, with like three races to go, it's like, hey, we got a shot at this. With this, this could happen. We could beat this guy, you know, because we were we were so bad going into the chase that." I, I literally sat there media day off to the side because I was embarrassed to even be around the rest of the guys because I'm like, I really don't even, I didn't feel like I belonged in that group because I'm like, we're running so bad. We're just wasting a spot that somebody could have, you know, that was running good. There were teams that missed it that were running really good right up to the point, you know, that the chase started but didn't make it on points. And uh, I thought, man, this is a waste. But we got down to those last couple weeks and we, you know, rattled off two or three wins. And I'm like, man, we – we got a shot at this. And then I started feeling like I had a chance again, but it made me go back to 94 and 95 when we won the, the national midget championship against Andy Michener. And I remember sitting there at Terre Haute one night with Andy and, and uh, that year Terre Haute had a real big hole right in the middle of the groove going into turn one. You either had to go below it or you had to go out and around it and above it. And um, I'd went out on a four wheeler and looked and I'm like, Hey, it looks like they got this fixed. But we got ready for the driver's meeting, and I was standing next to, next to Michener, and I said, hey, did you go down and look at one yet? And he goes, no. I'm like, oh, man, it's worse than it was last time we were here. <laughs> I said, I don't know what they've been doing down there. And, dude, he was so far off the pace, I don't think he even got anywhere near that part of the racetrack. And we qualified good. And I think ended up Tony's running race. right through the middle. Oh, right it. through it, smooth as glass, you know, and rifling through there. But, you know, I remember that psychological warfare. So we got to, we got to Homestead and uh, – you know, I was feeling good. We were running good, but Carl had won, you know, Phoenix the week before we ran fourth. And, uh, but I'm like, you know, Hey, there's, there's one thing that I, I kind of know how to do here that can get this thing off tilt, you know, cause that last week, it doesn't matter what you've done for 35 weekends. I mean, it's, you still got to make it happen that last night. And, uh, so I did, I started using him up and Carl was one of those, it's like Carl here. He's so nice. He can't tell you no. And Carl just was, you know, he didn't, he wasn't confrontational with anybody. And, and, um, you know, I did, I just, I absolutely, and it started the very first, uh, deal that we had on media day was a interview with Daryl Waltrip and they had Daryl in a single chair. They had the a podium with a trophy on top of it. And then they had two, uh, director's chairs on the other side and they wanted Carl to be in the chair right beside the trophy I didn't know this at the time, but they wanted him in the beside the trophy because he was leading the points and he wanted me beside him. So I sat right next to the trophy, didn't know it, and they said, "Well, you know, Carl's leading the points." We went, and I'm like, "No, I'm not moving." I said, "This is my trophy," and Carl's standing five feet away from me, looking at me, waiting on me to get up. I'm like, "This is my trophy." I said, "I'm taking this thing home tomorrow, or you know, Sunday night." I said, "Sit his ass down," and they they did. He finally put him on the other chair because I I refused to get up, and so that's how I started the whole day. And I just, I mean, I just kept carving him up, carving him up, carving him up. The highlight of it, though, they get through the whole media session. You know, I tell everybody I'd wreck my mom to win the championship, which I love my mom, but I would. I'd wreck my mom in a heartbeat to win the championship and, <laughs> and would apologize to her at Thanksgiving and Christmas. And if she didn't want to give me gifts, so be it. I understand. No hard feelings. But 
our PR guy, we were the last two there. The PR guys were there. And Carl and I are walking out to, we're getting a police escort back to the track because Miami traffic was crap at that time of day. And, and uh, so Carl's trying to get us back to center, you know, and just be back to where we normally are. And, um, it, and he just wasn't thinking. I mean, it was a mistake on his part. But, you know, our PR people are like 20 feet behind me, and the PR guys are talking to each other, and it's just him and I leaving. He goes, hey, what are you going to do on Monday? You know, the season's over. What are you going to do Monday? I said, well, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm going to be in Bristol, Connecticut all day. What's well, that's you had the ESPN tour all day Monday yeah. if you won the championship. I Regis said, and Kelly, I'll be in NY. Yeah, I said I'm going to I'm going to Bristol, Connecticut Monday. I don't know what you're doing. And I mean, he never said another word, and we never spoke again the rest of the weekend. Did not speak at all the rest of the weekend at all. What's that? What's that? Thing? You got to say it out loud. You got to put it in the universe. And... That's right. Well, and I thought, man, I got his ass there because it wasn't in front of the media. This isn't some stage circus show. This is yeah, him he, and I. He knows that now you're not messing this around. Is this is Jedi him and I walking dream. out. Nobody, right nobody knows. Yeah. You know, nobody's here to hear this, but just him and I. So I thought I got him. And then Friday the next day, he goes out and sets it on the pole. I'm like, well, that didn't work. <laughs> so was that the year when you had passed some incredible number of cars? I want to say over the yeah. last three races, or maybe maybe it's the last three races, but that last race. The last race, I think, four position, not counting lap cars, but four position, I think we passed 117 cars. Right, it was a crazy only 43 cars that start the race. But we, uh, you know, we started the race, uh, Kurt Busch's U-joint breaks, like 12 laps into the race, goes through the front of our car. They tell me, they see this, they call me in on the caution, they come in and fix it. We go to the back, we get halfway up through the field the next stint, and uh, well, I told the guys in the yellow, I'm like, hey, you know, it's pressure's off. I mean, we just got to go out and just you know, we'll get everything we can get, guys. We're not done, but we'll get everything we can get. And, you know, we just it's just bad luck. You and know? this is the first, uh, the first ownership, time. ownership, uh, yeah. being an owner driver. Yeah. So we get about halfway through the field and then I catch another buddy of mine, David Rudeman. And at the last second, I get ready to pull to the left and start to the left. And he pulls to the left just to let me go. Well, I'd already started moving, and I clip him in the right rear with the left front, poke a hole in the nose, and I remember him calling me on the radio going, we have to come back in and fix it again. So I come back in, and, and I'm laughing. And I'm, I'm just comical at this point because it's like, you know, we're screwed. We've, you know, aerodynamics are everything in these cars, and not once now, twice we've screwed up the aero on this thing. And uh, I'd said, well, and I'm just joking around. I'm like, man, they're really going to be pissed off when we come from the back and win this thing now. No clue that we could even remotely do that, but... We ran the next stint. We got back up to fifth, and that's when the rain, the first rain delay happened. And uh, the I remember seeing Carl. He he had led the entire thing, I think, up at that point. And I remember I was had just taken my helmet off, hung it up on the deal, was just getting ready to get the window net. And I'm watching him climb out, so I stopped. And he was sitting on the door of his car, and he kind of leans back and sees me four cars behind him, and you could you, his just it was like like he had seen a ghost. <laughs> Because so, in his mind, he had eliminated you. Like, he's yeah, not in he, the hunt anymore. Yeah, they've told him yeah. twice that we've had problems and yeah. that, you know, he's leading the race. He's just got to go do what he's doing and turns around and he's like, you can see the look on his face. It's like, wait, how did he How how did he get up here? But I remember the best part of that during the rain delay was was uh, Jack Roush and, and uh, Jeff Clark, who worked for Roush Yates Engines, and uh, got out and the restroom was cleared out at the end of Pitt Road where they were where their pit stall was for getting the pole. And uh, Jack had his back to me, and Jeff Clark was looking at me, and Jeff smiles and nods, just being polite. And I tapped Jack on the shoulder, and I said, hey. He turns around, and I said, 
you better tell your boy to get on his horse because I'm coming. And Jeff Clark's just back there trying to not <laughs> laugh out loud. And because Jeff knows this is Jeff knows what's coming on this deal. And, and uh, you know, he's just shaking his head like, oh, I can't believe he just did that to him, you know. So but it was that was a hell of a night. But um, but yeah, that's I, I will tell you one thing that I remember about that race was watching the car on the ragged edge the whole time coming back through there and watching the car and looking at it and thinking this son of a bitch is going to rotate all the way here in just a minute. The worst part about it, I'm pulling slide jobs every lap and nobody's up there going, slide job, slide job, slide job. <laughs> it's like, damn it, I did that long before Dale Jr. thought it was popular. God. He was pulling slide jobs, but I'm telling you, man, it was just like the the car just looked like I it was, was I so was much doing for teaching Corey Cruzman how to save the, yeah. <laughs> save the tire. Yeah, yeah. yeah, That was one of those do as I say, not as I do yeah. comments at that point, but, but that was fun. That, that's those are the, the we you just talked about the two greatest moments of my life in racing was the single race and championship at Homestead and the Triple Crown. I mean, those by far. Uh, when people say what's what's the one thing that that you say are your your shining crowning achievements, those two things are, are what what come to the top of the list for sure. I've got one last thing I want to bring up here, um, and I'm sure that uh, the stories here will fill up a little bit of time. But we lost a couple of historic people here in 2019. Bill Simpson comes to mind. Junior Johnson here just recently. Uh, a close personal friend of ours on that wing sprint car that I talked about a little bit before, Randy Beisch. And probably the one that you missed there that's uh, probably right at the top of the list for most of us here is Dick Jordan. Yep, DJ. Dick Jordan. Yep, for sure. Dick, and DJ. Yeah, Randy there. Sweet. Randy, yeah. Randy Sweet. It, it was a tough year in the racing industry. I mean, yeah. some real pioneers. I mean, yeah. you look at what Dick Jordan did at USAC for so many years and and – of all things, Dick should have been president of USAC, not, you know, president of communications and, and vice president of USAC. I mean, he was USAC to, to all of us. Uh, and that you was his at, life. Yeah, yeah. It, and, you know, nobody promoted USAC harder than, than Dick did. Uh, you look at Randy Sweet and what he's meant to racing, whether it's been, you know, pumps and valves, steering boxes, um, you know, his his friendship uh, with Scott Bloomquist, what they were able to do in late model racing uh, really ahead of his time in that category on, in rack and pinion steerings. Uh, just just some great people, and, and none of us would be here even talking about all of, all of this if it wasn't for Bill Simpson. I mean, uh, he he not only talked to talk, but he walked to walk. I mean, he he did it all. He uh, and he did it because he he wanted to take care of his buddies and protect his friends, and and um, you know it didn't matter whether it was drag racing, IndyCar. NASCAR, um, you know, open wheel racing. He, he had an insight and, and the knowledge about it and knew a side of it that needed help. And, and that's what uh, Bill really excelled in. I mean, he, he, he ran it as a good business, but aside from that, the thing that, that more so than the business side of it, he just, he wanted it to be right. He wanted it to be as safe as it could be. And, uh, you know, there were times when, you know, he had the ability to get under your skin in a heartbeat and, and you know, a, a day later it. put his arm around you and say, yeah. hey, kid, I'm going to help you with this. And and uh, there's just – I don't think in the safety category there's ever going to be a single person that's going to run a ship like Bill Simpson did. And a guy that put his life on the line to build his own credibility to yes. prove that his product was, was worth so, – it was what he so said do you know that? do you know that story about him catching himself on fire? I knew Bill from the racetrack. Right. Like everybody, you know, you'd see him and, but, but one of the things that he told me, he goes, you know, when I caught myself on fire, I said, I said, yeah, I said, you're crazy. 
I said, you intentionally did that. He goes, I know. He goes, why? do you know why I did it? I said, no, I have no idea. He said, because I had a competitor that said their stuff was as good as mine. I said, meet me right here at this time. We'll both catch ourselves on fire, and we'll see who works that out. The other person never showed up. That sounds like a Bill Simpson. I mean, he that is a total Bill Simpson deal. Did sure. he tell you who lit, who actually was the one that lit him on fire? Was no. it Chip Ganassi? I believe so. I think oh, it was, was Chip it? Ganassi. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That that he and Chip had a had a unique relationship. Oh yeah. Well, that's <laughs> Bill had a unique relationship yeah. with everybody. <laughs> Good point. But but they but but him and and Ganassi got along really well and uh, you know had a lot of respect for each other. But but the Bill was just one. That's the thing. Bill was one of those guys. I mean, you, you kind of. You know, for a long time, you know, I I was sponsored by them. I think in '93, and to this day, I, I'm still sponsored by Simpson Race Products. But every time I saw Bill, it's like you just kind of waited a second till he said something, so you knew where the temperature gauge was at that particular day. And then it finally got old enough in my career and, and far enough up the ladder where I didn't give a shit where the temperature gauge was. It just was like, "What are you doing, you old man? Are you, are you pissed off today? Are you happy today? Where are you at?" And, and then you, I never had, we never had a problem after that. It was just, it was just funny how he was. It's like, if you just got on his level and, and just did it your way, like he did, he, I mean, it, it puts you in an elite category and, you know, guys like Bill and guys like Randy Sweet, um, you know, Junior Johnson, same way. I mean, these are guys that did it their way, did it, just did it smarter and didn't do it on a computer, didn't do it with an engineering degree. They just did it because they were smarter and, and cared and, and wanted it to be right, wanted it to be different. And, uh, you know, because of the guys like that, it's that's what's pushed this sport to where it is. And, you know, it's it doesn't mean we don't have a lot to look forward to because technology is a good thing, but there's bad things that you lose with it too. You lose the, the personality side, but there's cool things that keep coming and racing that keep making it better for all of us and, and uh, you know, keep reminding us that, that motorsports is going to be sound for a long time. But those innovators, those single people that – single-handedly did it on their own put the sweat into it uh you know and and had to had to shake the tree so to speak to get there i mean junior randy bill uh, you know they, they they all did it that way and that's what made them so special thanks for watching this edition of the skinny go to fatheads.com and check out all the latest in eyewear apparel along with many other products Thanks to our partners at Elliott's Custom Trailer and Carts for their partnership in this production. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Skinny from Fathead Studios. To watch the video versions of all of our shows, please visit our YouTube channel, Fatheads TV. Don't forget to subscribe.